Well, good morning, everybody. To everybody that is online, whether you're here with us live right now or joining us on Facebook or ccmonline.org later on this week, or maybe you're listening in on the podcast, we're so grateful that you're here with us for a little while today to uh, to sing a little, to hear the message, and to pray and uh, to celebrate. We're still in Christmas time or Christmas tide, and uh, it's only the day after Christmas, and so we are still celebrating. And so, if you are uh, at home, don't don't forget, uh, we will be receiving communion together towards the end of service. So uh, head into your kitchen, get yourself some bread or some crackers or some juice, whatever you'd like, and we will receive communion together. So again, we're so grateful you're with us to celebrate uh, whether you're in the room or online. So thank you so much. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder praise, a new and glorious morn fall on your knees. Oh, Hey. Okay. 
Everybody, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. December 26th. Yeah, some people are, you, you didn't even go to bed last night, did you? You're still, you still think it's the 25th? Well, we're into the 26th. Um, I want to talk to you for just a couple minutes uh, this morning about uh, this powerful scripture in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. And this is what it says, Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5. Let's read it together. But when the fullness of time had come, God... All right, let's read it together. Anyway, all of us, not just three of us. Anyway, here we go. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. But when the fullness of time had come, when the fullness of time had come, hmm, hmm. It's really interesting, isn't it? Like there's these phrases that are used, and this one is so, uh, so direct, right, about the birth of Christ um, and so powerful. It reaches back into the Old Testament. It reaches back into all of these prophetic things that were said about Jesus coming to the earth. And then... Uh, you know, Jesus could have come at any time, but Paul here says there was a fullness of time. And in the Old Testament, you see this kind of recurring statement that happens. It's worded differently in different versions of Scripture when it comes to timing, God's timing. And, and it came to pass, and it recurs over and over and over. And this is one of those times where it's like God seemed to have a schedule, God had a watch, basically, and God has a watch throughout history. There seems to be these events that happen in the world and on the earth that uh, God, was, God had a timing to it, right? And in the same way, God has a timing to the way things occur in our life, that there is a fullness of time to the things that come in our life. I would say that, um, and even in Ecclesiastes, basically, the whole book is, it, it surrounds that beautiful portion of Scripture where it says, to everything there is a season, there's a timing to everything. And a lot of times it doesn't feel like the timing is right. It doesn't feel like God's got, it's, God's calendar is messed up. God's watch isn't working. He needs, an, he needs one of those eye watches or whatever it's called. Um, but God's timing really is perfect, and it's right on time. Um, but I want to just look at the question of when we talk about the fullness of time, what do we do in the meantime? Like all of us are waiting on things right now. I just kind of encourage you to consider what you're waiting on in God today. Like what you're waiting on in your life, in your family, what your hopes are, maybe some dreams you have. What are you waiting on? And maybe you feel like the schedule's been off, but what are you waiting on? And I want you to know that this morning God uh, has a fullness of time to every promise that God has in our life. Every promise. If, if the uh, incarnation of Jesus doesn't say anything to us, it at least says to us, that God's promises are yes and amen, right? If God can do those kinds of things, he could certainly do anything in our life, right? You have these gigantic things, and there's a fullness of time to it, and there is a fullness of time in your life and mine. But what do we do in the meantime while we wait for the fullness? Now, the, the, the story of Jesus coming to the earth is full of uh, a lot of people 
doing mean, everybody's doing meantime something, right? Like they're waiting, but they're not really waiting for Jesus to appear. Mary seems to be doing the right kind of stuff in the meantime, right? The shepherds are doing the right kind of things in the meantime. But then there's like whole political systems and kingdoms that the only thing that they're really doing right is indirect. They don't even know that they're playing a part in sending people back to certain areas for taxation, that somehow God's working his will even in people's lives that aren't paying attention. But for you and I, because we really do want to come, I want to come to these fullness of time places in my own life, right? And we want to come to that corporately and individually. What do we do in the meantime? So the fullness of time comes, we celebrate it on the 25th, but what do we do now? Because now we kind of start the process over, but uh, symbolically, but what do we do in our own life as we wait? And I would just kind of say that there's a couple of things that we do, and we want to abide, everyone say abide, and we want to abound. Last night, we actually have our big Christmas family celebration at our house today, Um, so we're looking forward to that, but we had some good fun stuff we did yesterday and our granddaughters were over and uh, to make a real long story short Sarah and the boys they have two dogs and uh, they had left town so uh, we were dog sitting and uh, at one point Zeus is do we have a picture Zeus is the dog on the the black dog here is aren't they great looking dogs I love dogs that's why I don't have a dog and there's Did you ever ever hear when when somebody looks at somebody else and says, uh, it's not you, it's me? That's why I love dogs, but I don't have a dog because I'm not a good dog guy. I'm not around the house enough to be a good dog guy, but I do love dogs. But Zeus is a runner. He's a hound dog, and he loves to run. If he gets a shot at it, he's gone. The worst thing is when you're watching somebody's dog and the dog runs away, right? Wouldn't you say that? So we're doing an all-out search. We've got, we've got Ian and Brooklyn, and uh, our two granddaughters are there, Adriana and Kirsten, and uh, we had a niece there, and we've got Claire and I, and we're looking through the neighborhood. Of course, he's a black dog. It's dark out. Nobody's out on the street, basically. So we're, it's, a, it's an all-out search. We're, Sarah's putting it on Facebook. She's driving home from Milwaukee. And um, anyway... We, we're driving around for about an hour. I'm in one car, Ian's in another car, and it's like, I'm tired. I mean, this is why I don't have a dog, because I don't want to have to search for a dog, right? I'm tired. I'm a tired grandpa. And I'm, I get back to the house, and, of course, we don't have Zeus. And Adriana, like, just melts, and she's like, we can't just leave the dog out. It's cold and dark. Would you do that to something that you love? And Grandpa was thinking, I'm tired and I want to go to bed. And this is Zeus's problem. He ran away. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I thought it. And, but we're all like in the, we're all hoping the dog comes home for various reasons. We're waiting for the fullness of time. The dog's return. In the meantime, we're all going in different directions, right? Adriana wants to do an all-out search. Ian, I think, said to her, listen, he's probably next to somebody's fireplace enjoying biscuits or something. We're the, 
and Adriana's melting down. We're all processing the in the meantime differently. And thank Jesus, we had a Christmas miracle. The dog came home in the middle of this chaos that we were having at home as some of us were trying to get off to bed. Some were saying we we're going to continue the search into the night. We didn't even know if we were going to make it to church today because we were going to continue the search. The dog made it home. But we process this differently, right? Now to abide, when we're abiding, because... That's a dog, but when we're waiting for the fullness of time in our life or in the lives of the people that we love, we're invited to abide. To abide, when we're abiding, we're seeking to be transformed by God's Spirit. We're pursuing an intimate relationship with God while we're living in an authentic, while we're living in authentic community with those that we love. John 15, Jesus says it this way. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you, just as a branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine. So Jesus tells us that while we wait, in the meantime, we should be people that abide. And the scripture also indicates that in the meantime, we should be people that abound. So abiding is this connectedness, this intimacy to God and to others, but also God invites us to abound in our lives, to abound. When we're abounding, we're taking real risks. We're dreaming God-filled, God-centered dreams. We roll up our sleeves. We sacrifice comfort when it's necessary, and we're, we're being generous with our life. Paul put it this way. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So what does all this kind of mean? It's this abiding and abounding. We're invited to engage, to abide, to have intimacy with God, to have intimacy with others in community. We're, we're invited to do that. And then we're also invited to get, live our best life, live the life we were created to live. When we're abiding, we focus on what matters most. A great indicator for me, I've learned uh, over the years, a great kind of metaphorical indicator for me about how focused I'm living is when Claire asked me to go get a loaf of bread at Family Fair. And I, there's times that I've come back and I have bologna, I've got a gallon of milk, I have a frozen pizza, I have uh, maybe a, a package of hot dogs, and I come home and Claire says, where's the bread? <laughs> oh, the bread, that's right, you asked for bread. That's usually a picture in my life of I'm not being real focused about a lot of other stuff, right? Be focused on what's, what matters most, on what's important, and also what's not that important. We're invited to not be living distracted lives. We are invited to be living a life that is focused when we abide. Peter Drucker, he says it this way, in the business, in the business world, he said that recognizing what counts as a true contribution is one of life's greatest challenges. The brilliant Peter Drucker he would tell business leaders this, but it's so true for all of us. To recognize what counts as a true contribution is one of life's greatest challenges. What is important in our lives? We can become slothful. My personality type is to go to, 
to go to distracted living, if I'm not paying attention, that's the way I'm wired. I have to pay attention. But all of us need to pay attention. When it comes to sloth, slothful behavior, Frederick Beekner he says this. He says, being slothful isn't necessarily incompatible with heavy activity. See, because we think being slothful means we don't do anything. But the truth is, is we can be doing a lot of stuff, just not doing the right things, right? So he says, sloth isn't necessarily incompatible with heavy activity. It's failing to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Like the kamikaze pilot who flies the mission 17 times. Yeah, tell your neighbor what that means if they don't understand it. I mean, after a while, a kamikaze pilot shouldn't still be flying missions. Yeah. Anyway, also be present. When we're abiding, we're being present. When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm present, I'm devoting myself to the present, the present call on my life right now, if that's with the people I'm with, if that's with a task, whatever that might be. What keeps us from presence? There are things that keep all of us from presence. Ingratitude can keep us from presence. Being irritable can keep us from presence. Being filled with tension and anxiety and not processing that well can keep us from presence. Living a life of hurried sickness, always never feeling like we have enough time, always feeling like our schedule's overpacked. Fatigue can keep us from presence. Busyness, electronics can keep us from presence, right? So um, it's really interesting in our culture because overscheduling is, is kind of given at times as, as a tool for bragging. I've noticed it happens in, in, in people's lives, in our lives, if we're not careful, that busyness somehow is like a status thing. Now listen, let me set everybody free. Everybody, everybody has the same amount of time and it's full. Your time is full and so is mine. It's just what we're full, what our schedule is full of right? Because you can twiddle your thumbs, and that might not be good busyness, but you're still busy twiddling your thumbs. You get it? You can sit somewhere and, and not get anything accomplished, um, and that's busyness that's not good busyness. Or you can sit in solitude and silence, and that could be great busyness. Everybody is filling the same amount of time. So presence is when I'm when I'm living into, I'm present to the call that God is inviting me to in that moment. It's really interesting because the fourth commandment, which is, you know, about the Sabbath and keeping the Sabbath holy, it's really the only commandment, if you think about it, that people feel free and almost feel confident in talking about violating. Like, like, you know, especially in our culture, like, we're, we're good with it. We wouldn't say that, like, oh, we wouldn't brag about, uh, you know, or boast about the fact that we went out and ended somebody's life. But you hear it all the time, people talking about they're so overly busy, and it really is a violation of a command. So how do I get away from that? I live focused, I live in presence, and these all are connected, obviously, Right? And I also want to establish an updated, everyone say updated, updated life of rhythms, disciplines. Now, we're all watching what's happened over the past couple of years, and the truth is, is we all need to kind of reorient our life. What a great way to end this year and move into next year is to kind of update the rhythms in our life. Because we've all been kind of out of whack 
with the rhythms of our life. It just kind of threw everything up, right? And it's just got all jumbled around. And now um, we have an opportunity to reset that. I love, uh, early in the church, Charles used to make this statement all the time. Charles Theodorovich, Charles used to say, you are where you want to be. And it seems like this real, it's true, right? You are where you want to be. There's very few people and very few times in life where you aren't where you intended to be. You know, like uh, when you go to the emergency room, you may not have intended to go to the emergency room, but for the most part, we all go where we intend to go. That's the reality, unless you're a helping professional uh, that, you know, you get these emergency calls at times. But the reality is we are where we want to be. So we talk about, when we talk about finances, we talk about look at your checkbook, look at your credit card statement, and you can see the things you value, and you can see, you know, you kind of put your money where your life is going. That You can follow it. It's the same way with our calendar, that when, we, when we're living our life and we're not, we're not paying attention to um, and we're not taking an honest inventory of our schedule, of our time. Remember, this is in the meantime, while I'm waiting for the fullness to come to pass, you and I need to take an honest inventory of our schedule. And we need to relook at this often, I think. And I think this is a great time for us to look at it. Look at our time. You and I will never gravitate toward things like church attendance, prayer, generosity, volunteerism, those are not the things that your life and mine gravitate toward. You didn't just, nobody sitting in this room just stumbled in here today. Like you didn't have anywhere else to go um, unless you lost a bet, and this is why you're here. But other than that, for the most part, you know, you and I don't do solitude and silence. We don't do scripture reading and meditation. We don't do small groups. We don't just gravitate that way. It has to be an updated rhythm of life. So that's this abiding piece. And then we're invited to abound. Parker Palmer um, was offered a job. He's a Quaker, brilliant writer, leader. At one point, he was offered a job to be president of a uh, very um, prestigious university. And Parker Palmer's a Quaker. So Quakers have... Um, what's called a clearness committee. And they'll bring in, if they practice, this is a practice they have, they'll bring in a group of people, trusted advisors, and they come in and they just, they say, here's what I need to discern. Like in this case, he's got to discern whether or not to take this job as president of this university. And the folks that are in the room, they're praying with you, they're kind of holding the question, and they're just asking you clearing questions. So you come up with discernment. They're not telling you what to do. So uh, one of the questions early on, he says, that came up, he says, what, one of the people said, what would you enjoy most about being president? And he right away started to say, well, I wouldn't like to stop, quit, or I wouldn't like to quit teaching because being president meant he wasn't going to teach. So it was, I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like the politics. I wouldn't like the fundraising. And they, they just stopped for a minute, prayed, held the question, and the person repeated the question, what would you like? And after this long pause, he said, what I would really like is my picture in the paper with the word president next to my name. And one of the guys in the room said to him, couldn't you find an easier way to get your picture in the paper? 
And he had his answer. See, but it's, it's hard for us. It's easy for us just to keep saying abounding means just more and bigger and larger. To abound is to live into our gifts and passions that God has given us. However, to abide and abound is to embrace my gifts, passions, and get this, my limitations. See, the problem is more on the limitation end when it comes to abounding. When you and I pursue, when we're waiting in the meantime for the fullness of time to come in our life, when we want to live fully abiding and abounding lives, recognizing that we have a responsibility and a goodness of engaging the the passions and gifts in our lives, but also understanding that we have limitations is one of the most powerful tools in our life. When we pursue life and tasks as though we have no limitations, it's at that point we cease to abide and abound And while the fullness of time is coming, we're not living fully up till the fullness of time. Parker Palmer, he says this, he said, Burnout isn't usually the result of trying to give too much, but it is the result of trying to give what really isn't in me. We are living in a great resignation, and I pray that this is a resetting in all of our lives a paying attention to the beautiful, powerful gifts in our lives, the goodness, the the anointing in your lives, how amazing that is, the, the opportunities coming to each one of us, but that we would be a people that would walk in humility and allow God to reset our lives as we come to the close of this year. Now, one day, all of us will have a fullness of time, right? There's the great fullness of time. And the scripture talks to us about, you know, Jesus will one day, we hope, we hear this statement where Jesus will say, to those that have lived the kind of life that is pleasing and good, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But I think it needs to be kind of modernized a little bit just based on the kind of lives that we're so tempted to live. And I, I just, I want Jesus to say to me and to you, well done. You abided and you abounded. You brought your beautiful life while you were waiting for this moment. You brought your passions, your gifts the goodnesses of your life. You lived it fully and generously. You also abide, you abided in me. And you lived a life of intimacy, understanding that I was limitless, but you weren't. And those limitations in your life, because you paid attention to them, became a grace to you and to all of the people around you. So as we finish out this year, I invite all of us just to maybe recalibrate what we're hoping for as we go into a new year. 
And as we wait for the next fullness of time moment in our lives and in our church as well. When I think about the We love you. We bless you. Do you love him and bless him, honey? Yes, definitely. I I thought I was part of we, but anyway, we too, we too bless you. Anyway, we speak a blessing over these last few days of your year. Speak a blessing over your families. And we speak a blessing into this new year. Next time we'll be together on a Sunday morning, it'll be a new year. So we open ourselves to the blessing of God and we speak blessing over one another. In the beautiful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Have a great, great Love you guys. next few days, guys.